0: Welcome to the Midweek Bible Class, 1 Corinthians 11. Gotta say thank you for all of those who sent in emails, and quite a few did. And the the very kind and supportive comments on YouTube and Vimeo were also very, very welcome. Uh, It it was a real journey there, wasn't it, to the first part of chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. And it doesn't get any easier from here. We do get a nice wee break in chapter 13, but then we're thrown right back into it right after that. So, hang in there. I also want you to hang in there for something else. Uh, we've improved, we think, the microphone situation. We're trying to dial down the air conditioning sound in my office, and that's where I am today. Uh, I'm going to record as much as I can at home and at our sound stage. The sound stage is in a private home, and I just while they are willing and in fact have given me a key and said come on in it's i'm such a privacy nut it might be part of who i am and where i've come from and the like, but so hard for me just to walk into somebody's house anytime that i i'm i'm nearby and need to record something so <clears throat> we're going to make this the best we can we'd heard that some people were having trouble with the volume uh, that they're Either their device wasn't loud enough or that their ears were not good enough. Now, those of you that are listening on television are saying it's really good. So we might have to even do a tutorial on how to make sure you get the right volume. All right. That said, we need to go to a very familiar passage, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse 17. But we really got to review a couple of things first. Before we rush into this, Corinth was a mess. It, there was open class warfare in Corinth. that people of a certain status could have certain marriages and certain status also allowed them to mistreat others. There was also open warfare between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians and we cannot lump all of the Jewish Christians into one pile or the Gentiles because the corinthians were made up of people from different cultures who had come to this big cosmopolitan wild city and it was a wild city to the point where the romans had an expression that translated says you're acting like a corinthian you know a wild barbarian type out of control person remember that because that's who's making up the body that paul is writing to So the Jews would have come from many different streams. They would have come from the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees, and the non-aligned Jews. And you would have had Gentiles come from different pagan backgrounds, but all of them would have been pagan in some sort. And they would have been different colors, and they would have had different languages when they came into this this very open city. (coughs) Where, you know, I... (coughs) There are no exact duplicates, uh, but we could say like Amsterdam in the 60s and 70s. And I think you'd be pretty close to how open the city was. Well, here also we have somebody has written about all of this to Paul. He has written back a letter which we do not have. Then they write him a list of assertions and questions and challenges. And he writes back, answering all of those, and that's what we call 1 Corinthians. We come to a place now where Paul takes the gloves off. It's about what's going on at the Lord's Supper. I've had this passage read to me, and I've read the passage many times, but it's been read to me in worship countless times, as here is Paul establishing how to take the Lord's Supper. Well, there are two really huge issues with that. Three, if I'm gonna be complete. One, nowhere here does Paul say, here is the order and the style that it is always to be done in every church. No, he's speaking to a wild and unique situation in Corinth. So we don't have from Paul's lips that this is a form that you've got to duplicate or you will not be loved by God, regardless of where you are. Now he's just trying to create order in a wild and a very destructive, abusive atmosphere, when it was supposed to be worship and gathering and fellowship. And three, it's incomplete. At the very end, if you take a look at chapter 34, he says, chapter 34, chapter 11, verse 34, he says, when I come, I'll give further directions. We don't have those. Which means we don't need those. Which means he wasn't trying to create a simple form and this will bring unity. No, that's not the way this works. Let's get into it. Starting at chapter 11, verse 17. and the following directives, I have no praise for you. Oof. Uh, That's pretty rough. Oh, but it's not as rough as the next phrase. For your meetings do more harm than good. Think about that. This is not the first time this kind of sentiment has been said. God talks to the Israelites sometimes whenever they are in, in rebellion, and he'll say, I hate your sacrifices. The stench of the your worship is coming up to me i don't like this and it isn't because they didn't worship in a right order or with a correct liturgy it was because their hearts were evil impure and they treated each other and treated the poor treated the strangers treated those who were the outsiders with disdain or outright hostility or even worse apathy. He says, your your worship's doing more harm than good. I can see why. Have you ever gone to a church and seen a church fight or seen the simmering under the surface? What did that make you think about that church? Did it make you want to jump in there and be a part of that church? No. Guess what? It doesn't make the unchurched want anything to do with you either. I have seen countless churches run by families or friendship cabals that destroyed the church time after time by saying, nope, we just need to get back over order on this. We want back control of it. Church fight, those in out of power have to leave. Those in power smugly speak about, well, few there be that find it and we're being faithful and we're being persecuted. No, you're being jerks. And you're trying to control a church that doesn't belong to you, never has, never will. And the great shepherd is coming back. Make sure that your gatherings don't do more harm than good. He goes, in the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt, there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. Paul is angry. This is this is sarcasm. It is a raised voice. It is in your face. So then, when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. Look at that. You're coming together and all these separations. He's saying, so this, it has to separate so that God can show who he truly approves. And Whenever you're gathering for the Lord's Supper, it's not your supper. The, it's not the Lord's Supper. You gather for it, but no, it's yours. You've made something else out of it. He says, for when you're eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Okay. This sounds like a very interesting church. I don't think they're going to put that on the website but we need to explain again what the lord's supper was like and and if you'll go back on the monday morning messages two of the first ones were who told you about the lord's supper or communion and I, those have had many thousands of hits and i hope they keep doing so because we've got to talk about this the lord's supper was not a priest holding up a chalice and handing out little wafers it was not passing trays of little tiny cups of welch's grape juice and little bits of bread that some dear sister made or matza purchased at the at the uh, the grocery store it, and it certainly wasn't those little <clears throat> covid cups where if you struggle real hard you can get loose to the melted jolly rancher and this bit of styrofoam no the lord's supper was every time you gathered as a people daily house to house certainly on sunday but you gathered and you ate you had a meal well why were some eating early ah well see once again it's a different world than our world you didn't always get sundays off worship was a common go. people were coming <clears throat> people were going but there were rich people that were bringing an elaborate spread not sharing it with the poor and knowing the poor were coming they didn't wait for them they went ahead and ate and got themselves stuffed full and the drunk here can mean drunk like we use the word but it is also the word for gluttony it is the overdoing of any Anything really, it almost always refers to, to eating or drinking, but there are also uh, examples of the word being used for overworking and over anythinging, right? So, over anythinging is a word I just wordified it, so write it down. Somebody alert Webster and the Oxford English Dictionary, although you'll have more luck with Webster. Uh, this is this is what's going on. They, they just grab it. They do their spread. They eat. And it's a matter of pride for them. Remember, pride and class are huge things going on right here. And so, yes, yes, look at our food. We have so much food. We're doing very well. Oh, would you look at the wine? The wine's a very nice vintage. And you got poor people coming in, got a little sack lunch if they've got anything, and, and may have some bread in it. It is staggering how many people in the world to this day go to work every day with a couple handfuls of rice or a couple pieces of stale bread and that's it for the day we we got to figure out a way to do better church so he says don't you have homes to eat and drink in now <clears throat> i have uh, i was raised in the church of christ and there is one division of it there are quite a few divisions in it there's one division of it which believes it's a sin to eat or drink in a church building because here he says don't you have homes to eat or drink in?" And those in my side would call them the aunties you know they're anti this and that was unkind because <clears throat> everybody's anti something but they this was their they truly believed this is what god was saying here problems are many. And by the way, when they would grow to a certain point where they'd want to have to get together to eat something, they would generally build a separate building. And if you drive through Texas, Alabama, and a few places where this movement flourished, you'll see that second building is off there. And if there is a walkway to it that's covered, it doesn't connect all the way. So that way they can't say, this is part of our building. It's a separate building. Well, that's, it seems silly to those who do not have that belief. But all beliefs seem silly to somebody who doesn't have a belief. All I'm saying here is, that's not at all what he's talking about. Plus, there's no indication in scripture that God ever wanted us to treat any church building as holy ground ever i've had photographers come up to me for a wedding saying am i allowed to take a picture during a song or during a prayer yes and i'll tell them people are holy but places aren't and yes i even refer to the holy land there people will go there and they say we're standing on holy ground no you're standing on dirt some amazing things happen there and the things that happened and the people that did them and the people that watched them, and, and they were holy. But ground isn't holy. In fact, if you, I'm, I'm, I'm working hard here not to go full science on you. The ground you're walking on, where you say Jesus trod these steps, no, um, that dirt's been around the world a few times, and other dirt went way down deep. The dirt's up in the sky helping to form clouds for the next rain. If you want to go and see the places, I think that's absolutely fine. I'd like to see them someday. But people are holy. So we don't walk into a building and say, well, we have to be quiet now. We're in God's house. You are God's house. So treat people as holy. Buildings as things. Because don't you have homes to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? How do you notice to catch that? Who is the church of God? These brothers and sisters who have nothing. They are the counsel of God, called out by God. They're the gathering of the believers and they've got nothing. And he's saying if you humiliate these people, you're humiliating the church. Of God. I want you to think about this for a minute. <clears throat> Do you hear the strong language here? He's not saying you're upsetting them. You're making them feel left out. Wouldn't it be nice? He's saying you're humiliating them. Do you see how deep and awful the situation was in Corinth? Intentional humiliation. That's what I'm going for here. That's what I'm thinking he's saying. I think if you want to throw the most loving, charitable um, spin on this possible, it is absolute lack of care for the other. But there seems to be some one-upmanship in Corinth going on and on. You're going to see a lot of that when he starts talking about spiritual gifts in the next chapter. This is awful. He says, what shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. What a beautiful passage. And again, I've had it read to me in worship thousands of times, and that's not an exaggeration because it's kind of a go-to place before communion. And why why shouldn't it be? It's it's about communion. Sadly, some take this beautiful uh, exposition, Of what happened on the night that Jesus was betrayed at the Last Supper and what he did there and they've tried to make it a formulaic set of rules so I've been in churches where they have the trays for the bread and the trays for the little cups of uh, grape juice and that's not denigrating it you don't have to have wine it's not the point is it go back and listen to the who told you about the Lord's Supper and communion uh, Monday morning messages then somebody says a prayer and they pick up the tray for the juice and they start trying to pass it but people won't take it because Paul says bread you do the bread then you do the blood I've even heard sermons on this about it was his body that was captured first it was his body that was taken first and then the blood came well it could hardly be the other way is did god do it that way to make a point i i can't see how because it can only you can only be making a point if there was another way to do it so no in luke there's a cup then bread and a cup what's going on here what's going on is a passover meal there were several cups at different times during the passover meal so it's not about the order it's not about the, uh, the emblems as much as it is about the remembrance. And then Paul brings it home because not only does he need you to remember the Lord and to do it in a way that is an intentional remembrance of the Lord. He needs you to think. I'm not about whips and nails. That's not it. Uh, we're always told them we need to concentrate now on the pain Jesus went through as we take this. That's not necessarily so. Look what he says, verse 27. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves oh dear me i've i've heard of people who felt that there was a sin in their life that they were just not able to overcome and therefore while attending for years would not take the lord's supper because they couldn't take it worthily yet the phrasing here does not say don't take it unless you're worthy it says, don't take it in an unworthy way. We are all unworthy of the love of God, and yet we have all received the love of God. Wow. And so when we take this, don't take it in an unworthy manner. Well, what would that be like? Um, if I take it and and while the trays are being passed or while we're going up to receive or back, I happen to think briefly of a song I like or what's coming up for lunch. Have I really sinned? No, not at all. God's not like that. He designed your brain. He knows how this works. He says, examine yourself, verse 29, so that you don't eat or drink without discerning the body. You need to discern the body. Now, discerning the body there doesn't talk about the body on the cross. Look at the context. The context, the entire thud of this back half of the chapter is how are you treating each other? If I mistreat you, you're my fellow believer in Christ, and yet I slander you, I I libel you, I try to mess up your employment possibilities. You know, I uh, steal your wife or, or whatever it is. I am not discerning the body of Christ because you as a believer are the body of Christ, the church of God, as he said earlier in this chapter. I need to take this in a way that shows I care about you and i care about the other believers in christ at our safe harbor church one of the ways we do this is by having our communion devotional led by people who are members from afar canada australia mexico uh, those are the the countries other than the us that we've had so far but we've had many from the us We have other countries, oh, and Italy. Italy has also sent in a couple of videos for us. We have other countries, but most of them don't have the upload ability to send us something, and if they do, we'll take it. But one of the things we're trying to think of is, well, we had our scripture reading and prayer from Canada, and we had the Lord's Supper from Australia. Yeah, where we had a scripture reading from michigan and we had the lord's supper from texas and we had a brother from italy do a welcome to our church or two um, ohio residents that spend part of their year on a boat giving us their uh, their greetings and welcome to worship from the gulf of mexico it's a way of saying remember the body of christ remember the people who follow him and treat them as holy as the body of Christ that's what it's talking about and that's why he's he, he now uses a phrase which we do not use <clears throat> verse 30 that's why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep it is it's another way of saying you've died your spirit has died you've gone numb because you're not loving each other you've gotten weak and sick and some of you have just gone numb we need each other. We need to do, according to Paul, whatever it takes that leads to unity. And yet, many have not, and that's the um, that's the painful reality of the time. Well, he goes nevertheless. Um, oh, he goes. I'm sorry. Skip the verse. If we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. It is not phrased the way we would phrase it. He said, if you paid attention to your own failings, you would not be so smug. If you paid attention to your own reality, if you paid attention to what others are going through, then there would be no need for this judgment. Pay attention. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we're being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world, What is Paul doing? He's saying, listen, you're a mess. You're humiliating others. You're eating and drinking damnation to yourselves. You are destroying the body of Christ. And yet, he says, just take this as a discipline because we don't want to lose you. Now, he's not trying to get them to follow and be completely under control uh, of Paul. No, he's just saying, just open your eyes care god can pull you out of this so he says so then my brothers and sisters when you gather to eat you should all eat together anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you eat together it may not result in judgment now and again that one group that i told you about believe this backs up the other that you're not not—you're to eat at home but that's not what it's saying it says when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Those meals were very common. But what happens, <clears throat> this has happened to me. You are invited into a home by poor people and they, they've invited their friends. Let's say that you're in Guyana or that you're you're in Mali or that you are in somewhere deep in Appalachia or in a poor, poor home in uh, Mississippi. <clears throat> The food, they they did everything they could. They overspent to put food out for everybody. And they're sharing with everybody. But there's not much of it. And maybe some of it is not stuff that you feel safe eating. But you do your best to join in. When you're done, you're still hungry. What do you do then? Paul says, if that happens, just wait and after the gathering go home and eat what you want that's all it is be considerate of other people's feelings i'll never forget a young newlywed couple in scotland i wish that i had permission to say their names because i want to honor them had nothing they just had nothing and they were living in one of the worst housing projects in Europe at the time. They're in Scotland, in Glasgow. And they invited Cammy and I to come over and have dinner with them. We assumed it would be a small little thing, but we walked in, they were so proud. There's this big bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken that they'd gone out to get for the Americans, coming to visit them, uh, and a two liter of Coke, name brand. I know that blew their food budget for the next three or four days. That's holy food. You don't eat that and say, what else you got? You also don't refuse to eat it by saying, you know something, I'm a vegetarian. No, if this is what's put in front of you and this is their gift, you can lay aside your preferences for this. if you're saying they're not preferences, I truly believe we shouldn't kill animals. I got it. I really do. This one's already dead. This will not help the animal cause. You you need to find a way to honor the sacrifice made. So there we go. That is chapter 11, the back half of it. I'd love to go right into chapter 12, but we need to wait to do that. I hope that God is blessing you, that God is loving you. Thank you for all who bless and love us. I mean, we live off of your prayers, emails, your sweet and kind comments. And to be frank, we also live on those that can give because we're a unique church. All the money goes to ministers and ministry, you know, to pay the living expenses of uh, Kami and I, and then part-time a few others all working no money goes into the ground or into bureaucracy or into you know it's it's the minimal possible way to keep jesus all just moving throughout the world electronically and you're helping us do it that's not a plea that's a thank you any any questions you've got patrick at oursafeharbor.com way do you see what we get into next whenever we take a look at chapter 12 13 and then 14. Stay with us, all right? God bless.